0: children's church may exit to my right and you may be seated and as they are exiting if you would go ahead and grab your bibles and let's open them to or if you have electronic copy you can open it to uh, second corinthians chapter two uh, this morning as you're Turning to 2 Corinthians 2, I want to ask you a question, maybe a couple. Uh, the first one is this Have you ever been hurt by somebody? Have you ever struggled to forgive that person who hurt you? You know, there's a story, most of you probably remember the, the details, in Lancaster County, uh, Pennsylvania, October 2nd, 2006. A man enters an Amish schoolhouse killing five uh, Amish schoolgirls and wounding five others before taking his own life. And as horrific as this was, the greater story was the response of the Amish people in expressing their love and forgiveness to the Shooter's family. Uh, Ann Curry of NBC News at the time wrote, quote, I realize I did not know what forgiveness was until now, end quote. You know, perhaps the most telling uh, comments came from the pen of Marie Roberts, the shooter's widow. Uh, In a note to the Amish community, she wrote, quote, Our family wants each of you to know that we are overwhelmed by the forgiveness, grace, and mercy that you have extended to us. Your love for our family has helped to provide the healing we so desperately need. Your compassion has reached beyond our family, beyond our community and it is changing the world, end quote. Isn't that the goal of the gospel of grace? You know, the one thing that the human mind's mind seems to readily remember and is able to readily recall in a moment's notice is the hurt that someone else has inflicted on us. So let me ask you one other question. We all can say, yes, someone has hurt me. Have you ever hurt someone? See, we're going to talk about forgiveness this morning. And forgiveness can free you. Or unforgiveness can be like a small rock in your shoe when you're going on a walk. At first it's a nuisance, but then it becomes something even more. But... The overarching theme this morning, the one big thing of why is forgiveness important? Forgiveness is important for this reason. Forgiveness is a sign that we belong to Christ. Let's look at it together. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. I'm going to start in verse 5, and I'm going to ask if you would stand as we honor the reading of God's word together. It says, But if any have caused grief, he hath not grieved me, but in part, that I may not overcharge you all. Sufficient to such a man is this punishment which was inflicted of many. So that contrarywise, ye ought rather to forgive him and comfort him, lest perhaps such a one should be swallowed up with overmuch sorrow. Wherefore I beseech you that ye would confirm your love toward him. For to this end also did I write, that I might know the proof of you, whether you be obedient in all things. To whom ye forgive anything, I forgive also. For if I forgave anything, To whom I forgave it, for your sakes forgive I it in the person of Christ, lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word, and as we begin to unpack uh, what you have written through the Apostle Paul, it is not only applicable to the church at Corinth at the time, uh, but Father, it is certainly applicable to us, because the word of God is alive. And it is so important for the children of God to study, to understand that we may be doers of the word and not hearers only. And so now, Lord, we humbly ask that you would give us ears to hear and hearts to receive the truth of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Again, the one big thing this morning is this, that forgiveness is a sign that we belong to to Christ. This morning's message is entitled, A Call to Forgive. There are four things that are encompassed in a call to forgive. The first one is this, that all sin is against God. Notice how Paul starts here in verse 5. But if any of you have caused grief, he hath not grieved me. Paul is saying any sin done to him was not actually against him. It's not about him. So that leads us to ask this question, then, who is sin against? And it is David in the Old Testament who gives us this answer. It's there in Psalm 51 in verse 4. He writes, against thee, that is being God, against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. You see, David says our sin is against God. Now, Paul would write something similar in Ephesians 4 in verse 30, where he says, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Now, the reason that all sin is against God is because God is holy. He is perfect. There is no person that can say that we are perfect in this. And so sin is a violation of God's holy nature and character. And this grieves him because when you and I sin, we are inviting his judgment into our life. When you and I willfully sin, We are choosing to sin over our Savior. We are choosing our pleasure over God's glory. And this is why it is a big deal when we sin that we don't cast it off or uh, simply give it some cute little name. Maybe you're wondering how vile is sin to God. Sin is so vile that the only payment that was sufficient to satisfy God's holy wrath was the blood of his son. So when you and I sinned, you know, we we like, oh, it was just a little white lie. You know, I I just punched out at work a a couple of minutes early, even though I said I I worked till 5.30 or 6.00. When we do those things, what we are saying is, it's not a big deal. But what the Word of God would say to us is this, that by sinning, we cause the death of the Son of God, God the Son. And so sin is a huge deal in all of this. And so when we recognize sin, oftentimes we try to make things right with the person, we, we, we go when we try to, you know, smooth things over and, and get through it, but oftentimes we forget that we have grieved God and that we need to be restored back to a right relationship with Him. We, we forget what we've actually done here. This is why it says in 1 John 1, 9, if you confess your sins, He is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Here, here's the great thing about it. if you and I confess our sins, God is just and he will, is faithful and he'll forgive us. Now, for the child of God here this morning, for you and I to confess isn't that we are confessing in order to be saved. Rather, we are confessing to agree with God that what we did was wrong. We are confessing so that we will be restored to a right relationship with Jesus. Because every sin you and I commit, it creates a break, a hindrance in our relationship, not only with God, but with others. And so we are not praying that God will forgive us so that we will be saved. Rather, we are confessing it so that we will be restored to a right relationship with God. And that word confession simply means to agree with. It it is to say yes Lord I understand that what I did you call sin and you're right it is it's wrong now when a child of God when we confess our sin are we telling God something he doesn't know no we're again simply agreeing with him on what he said about it in the first place That's why the child of God should live a a life of confession. See, confession and repentance is not something we do one time in our life, and that's all that's required. Confession and repentance is an ongoing attitude that is displayed by our life. My life, it, it should be characterized as someone who is sensitive to sin so as to confess it and seek God's help to not continue to do that. This is a lifestyle that the child of God is to live in and do. So the question has to be asked here. Is there any sin in your life right now that is grieving God and is causing your relationship with him to not be right? Now, if you're here this morning and you have never surrendered to the grace of God that was shown at the cross, this is where you have to start. And I want to say, I'm so grateful that you're here. I'm grateful because God in his sovereignty and in his love for you brought you here to hear the gospel. To understand the love he has for you. You see, apart from a relationship with Jesus Christ, we will never be right with God. And the only way that we can be right with God is to stop trusting in ourselves and trust completely in what Jesus did on the cross for us to be saved. This is the beginning of our relationship with God and only is our relationship with God right that we can begin to have a relationship with other people also be right and so if you have never surrendered to Christ I want to encourage you before you leave today I want to encourage you to surrender to God's grace to confess your willful rejection of him that you have been trying to be a good enough person and do enough good works to get into heaven But you understand because of what God's word says that the only way you can be right with God is to trust in what Jesus did by dying on that cross for you. That's where you have to start. For those that have trusted in Christ, for believers, is there anything in our lives, whether it's an action, a word, or even an attitude, that the Bible would define as sinful, that we need to agree with God it's not right today. And that we need to lay that down. Because all sin is against God. The second aspect of a call to forgiveness is this. Forgiving others is a way that we show love. Jesus said in John chapter 13, By this all the world will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. Love and forgiveness go hand in hand. We see it there in uh, verses 7 and 8 of our text. He says, so contrary wise, you ought rather to forgive him, to comfort him, lest perhaps such a one should be swallowed up with overmuch sorrow. Confirm your love towards him it is what Paul is saying. You see, when somebody has hurt us, and they come and they ask for forgiveness, and we don't give it, we create a deep hurt that is worse than the offense they committed to, to start the whole process. And so we need to, when someone comes and says, I- I'm sorry, you know, please forgive me, it should already be done. Because in that we are confirming our love for them. We are understanding and we are showing their value as a person created in the image of God and died for by Christ. John would write it this way in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 20. If a man says that he loves God, but he hates his brother, he is a liar. But how can you love God whom you have not seen and hate your brother whom you have seen? So again, we see in other scriptures how love and forgiveness go hand in hand. If we love God, then we will forgive others anytime, every time, for all time. But the third aspect of forgiveness A call to forgive is this, that forgiving others is about obedience. Look at verse 9 with me in our text. He says, for to this end also did I write, that I might know the proof of you, whether you be obedient in all things. Paul's going, I don't want you to tell me that you love Jesus. I want you to show me that you love Jesus. And the way that you can love, show your love for Jesus in this instance is to forgive. Now, what Paul's talking about in this passage goes back to the first letter that he wrote to the church at Corinth. It's 1 Corinthians 5. There was a man in the church that was having an inappropriate relationship with his mother-in-law. Now, at first, when Paul learned about it and he's writing about it, he's really getting on the church kind of hard. He's going, you guys are claiming to be tolerant of sin when you should have dealt with this guy already. Paul said, you know what, the whole community knows what this guy is doing. You should have dealt with him. You you should have said, you know what, we can no longer publicly say that you're living like a child of God. You need to confess and repent of this sin until such time. Okay, And, and so this is what Paul is writing about. So somewhere between 1 Corinthians 5 and 2 Corinthians 2, this man confesses and repents of his sin. So that sounds great, right? That's exactly what he's supposed to do. Now the church's job is to receive him back into their their fold, their membership, but they didn't. That's why Paul is saying, if you really want to prove your obedience, forgive this man. Restore this person. See, really the church at Corinth gives us the two extremes that we see in a lot of churches. On one hand, there's the tolerant church, that refuses to call sin a sin. And they go, oh, well, come on in. You know, it doesn't, it's not a big deal. It listen, that needs to be dealt with. But the other side of it is this. When a church refuses to forgive, that church has now fallen into sin itself. When, you, when we have an attitude of, you know what, you hurt me one time, that's it, I'm done with you, What we are saying is that our standard is greater than God's standard. How many times has God forgiven us? This this is about obedience. That when someone says, I was wrong, forgive me, done. But listen to the words of Jesus, Matthew 6, 14 and 15. He says, if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Then in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, Apostle Paul says, Be kind, tenderhearted to one another, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. What are Jesus and Paul getting at? That a heart that has understood just how much God has forgiven them for will fully, freely, and joyfully forgive someone who has hurt them. To not forgive is to not understand what God has forgiven us for. I love the way uh, Christian author C.S. Lewis put it. Quote, We forgive the inexcusable in others, because God has forgiven the inexcusable in us. That's the standard. That, that we're not forgiving because they deserve it or they've earned it. We're doing it because God has freely and fully forgiven us. Now we all know that we forgive. I, I really don't think this is really a shock. We typically forgive people when they own up to their mistake. I mean, if they walk up and go, you know what, I was wrong, I'm sorry. Yeah, we, we're pretty quick. We certainly forgive those that we love, right? Most of the time when we love them, we go, you don't have to. You know what? I've already forgot. I love you. We're good. But honestly, here's the rub for a lot of us. Forgiveness is mandated regardless of whether a person asked for it or not. Forgiveness is mandated even if they did it intentionally. Forgiveness is mandated if they do it habitually. Why? Again, what is the standard for forgiveness? God. That's the standard. How many times, I mean, this is, this is let's, let's be honest with ourselves. How many times have we willfully, intentionally, rebelliously sinned against God? And how many times have we believed that God has forgiven us? That is the same standard that we are to apply to everyone else. And I'm going to tell you a secret. That true forgiveness is only possible if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Apart from God, you will not be able to do this. Why? Because it is in our nature to hold on to our hurt until such a time as we can play whack-a-mole with somebody's head for what they did to us in the past. Right? We hold it. it. It's a trump card. It's a whatever you want. Yo, they come and I, I'm so sorry. Oh, it's okay. And then later, they, they do something. Whack. Yeah, that was one of the best games at Chuck E. Cheese and the only reason to go to Chuck E. Cheese, that little whack-a-gator mole. And the sad thing is that's how we treat a lot of people. They sin against us, and instead of going, you know what? You messed up. We're we're not going, oh, it's not a big deal. Listen, it is a big deal. We're not pretending they didn't do it. We're just going, you know what? Man, I am so grateful that Jesus Christ has forgiven me for everything. You don't owe me a thing. Let's go and praise the Lord together. This is what we are called to do. But we can't do it on our own, because on our own, we are spiteful, Mean, vindictive sinners. That's who we are. The sweetest person in the world. That's the best description we can give of them. Until that heart is profoundly touched and eternally changed by the power of the gospel. And then the most hardened sinner becomes the greatest dispenser of grace. Because they realize what God's done for them. And they want to share that some of you are carrying around a burden this morning, walked in it with this door and it's an invisible burden but it's dragging you down somebody hurt you and you felt justified at first to hold on to it because well that person was being a jerk you're right, they were but over time, you kept carrying that, that burden till it's become a boulder. Kind of like that little pebble that was in your shoe when you started on your walk. It was a nuisance at first, and now your foot's bruised, and it's just hurting, and you're like, man, I don't feel like walking anymore. I gotta get this rock out of my shoe. And even when you get the rock out of your shoe, the effects of it are still there. This is summarizing some of you right now. I, I fear. See, the only person that we hurt when we nurse and hold on to a grudge is us. The offenders long since forgotten. They don't even remember what they did yesterday. You don't expect them to remember what they did six weeks ago, six months ago. But on top of that boulder... Now you've got anger, resentment, and bitterness. And those things have changed you. At first, you just treated the person who hurt you differently. But because you have held on to it for so long, and it's changed you so much, now it is affecting every relationship you have with other people. And the thing about it is, everybody sees it, except you. That's the thing about sin. Sin blinds us to the truth. If that's where you are, by the power of the blood of Jesus Christ, I want to plead with you this morning. Drop it. Drop it. Give it over to Christ. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you to genuinely forgive them not just go eh, okay whatever to genuinely forgive them how do i know when i forgive when i'm genuinely forgiven somebody when they've hurt me nine straight times and on the 10th i still believe that they're not going to hurt me forgiveness isn't this whole well you know forgiveness is about forgetting it are you kidding me the one way that we're all like an elephant is we got a big old long memory Forgiveness isn't about forgetfulness. Rather, it is about our faithfulness to treat them the way God treats us. To say, you know what? I'm going to choose to give you the benefit of the doubt. Even though all the evidence points to the contrary, I believe God is bigger Forgiveness is about loving Jesus more than we love our hurt. And our society is raising a bunch of victims. Everybody hurt me, everybody owes me, wah, 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 wah. But when we love Jesus more than we love our hurt, we forgive their debt to us because Christ has forgiven our debts. Here's the thing: the last part about a call to forgive. Forgiveness helps maintain the unity of the church. We see it. Look in verse 11. This is the last reason that he gives: lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. I said it, I think, a couple of Wednesdays ago, but I want to give it here as well. Too many Christians are acting like we're living in a playground instead of a battleground. We have a very real enemy who is seeking to divide us, distract us, so that he can destroy what God is trying to do. We've we, we got to be aware of this, okay? He has shown that the, it's important for our relationship with God and others to forgive. And now Paul says that forgiveness is important for the church. See, Satan's on a mission to stop the spread of the gospel because he knows this, that if a person hears the gospel and the Spirit is drawing that person, that person is going to get saved. And misery loves company. One of the ways that Satan tries to stop the spread of the gospel is by getting the church to walk in bitterness, envy, and division. He takes our eyes off of Jesus and puts it on everybody else. And when we are focusing on everybody else instead of our faithfulness to our call, Satan wins. You know, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1, he says, I hear there are divisions among you. I believe it. Like, Paul wasn't even pulling punches. They were arguing over, you know, who was the greatest apostle and who saved them and, you know, rich and poor and all this other stuff. And Paul's point is, if Satan can get us to focus on what divides us more than who unites us he wins and the world loses because they don't hear the only message that can save their soul that's why this is so important see this isn't just about our relationship with God it's not just about our relationship with others it's about the world's lack of a relationship with Jesus Jesus The fact of the matter is people are dying and going to a literal hell for all of eternity because they have not heard the gospel. And the church is the only authorized agent by God to share the gospel. So anything that distracts us from doing that not only affects us, but it affects their eternity. We weaken the witness of the gospel when we don't forgive. We harm our own relationship with Jesus when we don't forgive. I'm not saying that that you're not legitimately hurt. You know what? sometimes people are just mean sometimes people do dumb stuff and sometimes we are the people and so if we expect others to forgive us then it is only fitting that they expect we would forgive them The unity of the church is one of the most powerful witnesses to the loss of the gospel. Because look around, even in, in this gathering, my guess is probably 70% of us, if we did not go to the same church together, we would not run in the same circles, we wouldn't know each other, we wouldn't. There's a lot of things that divide us. But the power of the gospel is what unites us and brings us here to worship, to be encouraged, to be trained, to go out and share the gospel week after week. And that's the message that the world needs to see and to hear. That yes, there are differences, but the gospel of Jesus Christ is greater than our sin and that which divides us. And we have to guard the unity of the church so that the power of the gospel is seen clearly in the community. So how do we do it? Simple one application this morning. Confess your sins. The only authority I have is that which is speaking of the word of God. and So I'm going to lean on this for just a moment. First John 1 John 1.8 puts it this way. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. There's not a single one of us in here that is guiltless in this. So what do we do? For some, the sin is the rejection of Jesus and the gospel. And Jesus in his love and grace has brought you here this morning. And he is calling out to you to come to him in faith. That today would be that day of salvation. And the beautiful thing about it is this. That when you come in faith, trusting in, in Jesus and his death. All your sins are forgiven. They are removed as far as the east is from the west. There's no longer condemnation in your life. You've gone from an enemy of God to a child of God and the same God that saved you is the same God that will keep you for all of life into eternity. This is what is being offered. So Jesus is saying, come. For some... Your sin this morning is holding on to a pass or grudge instead of loving Jesus enough so that you can love him and forgive him. So today is the day to lay it down. Whatever God has said, however we need to respond, let's do it together. Let's show the Word of Jesus Christ and the power of the gospel would you stand with me as we're going to pray together Father as we continue to move through this time of worship Lord it's my prayer that the gospel has been clearly communicated today Father I I know that I'm a broken vessel as well sometimes what's clear in my head doesn't come out clear from my mouth but father I know you're more powerful than any deficiencies any of us have and so father I'm simply resting and trusting that because we have opened your word that your spirit will take that word and do what he desires for some they need to trust in you and be saved some need to lay down a past hurt and be reconciled with their sister in Christ. For some, we just need to learn to love you more than we love our sin. Whatever you have said, however you are asking us to respond, Father, may we do what we're about to see. Surrender it all. For your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Want to encourage you? You can look at uh, use the screen.